All right, what is going on everybody? It is Adam J.D. Martin here and today I'm going to be your host again of Mic'd Up Millionaires. It is episode number two and today I've got the great and the motherfucking powerful Emma Pace joining us. She is a top performing Zucasa realtor out of Toronto. Now I said this podcast wasn't going to be all about real estate but there's this funny thing when you start hanging out with a bunch of millionaires and people that are super successful. They all seem to be involved at the very least in real estate, at least they own it. And uh, Emma's a real estate investor and a realtor. And today we're going to get to hear her story. I, um, I met you, Emma, a, uh, you know, a couple years ago now, just, just over a year. And we met under crazy circumstances. I've got a real estate wholesaling business here in London, Ontario. And I actually sold Emma a property and that was our first meeting. And then fast forward, like, you know, a, a year or so or a few months after that. And we were sitting together in Miami drinking uh, margaritas and bulldogs and Coronas uh, and just having a blast at the Grant Cardone 10X conference. So welcome Emma Pace. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Congrats on the podcast, too. I'm super proud of you to see you. Uh, kind of this all come to fruition for you. So uh, cheers. Cheers to you. And I'm excited to uh, kind of watch the journey progress from here. Yeah, let's hit it off. Cool, man. So why don't you give us a little, you know, history. Who, who's Emma? Emma Pace is a kid originally from London, Ontario, uh, ended up moving to Toronto in pursuit of a DJing dream. I'm sure you can probably see the speakers behind me there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in sales for, I was thinking about this earlier today, like I've been in sales, I want to say like 12 to 12 years, maybe or something. Like I think my late teens, I got into sales, but, uh, you know, I started at enterprise rent a car when I was in London just grinding my face off trying to make a couple bucks and then uh originally I, I ended up working for that company because I wanted to move to LA to go and DJ and it was one of the companies that I knew was cross-border so my plan was work at Enterprise make a good name for myself and then get them to you know shoot me down to the states and uh see how I could get a shoe in there but um yeah ended up moving to Toronto with my DJing partner at the time continued to work there, did some sales for them, did some management for them. And then I decided this shit is taking up way too much of my fucking time. Like I, <laughs> I literally moved my entire life to another city, not to just grind for this other company. I did it for my passion, which is music. And I'm not going to just let my dream die because of some like corporate job. So I decided I need to figure out a way to make a decent amount of money and, and, get more time for myself. So I was like, Oh, why not get my real estate license? It seems like, you know, everyone who has their license makes a shit ton of money and they have all the time in the world. So I got my license and, uh, now I don't DJ anymore. <laughs> and now you've got all the time in the world, right? It's way too busy and I don't have time for that, but I think my passion is <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have all the time in the world. I, I'm a, you know, a professional DJ travel the world, all that kind of stuff. No, like, uh, that plan basically went to hell, but I feel like my passion just kind of shifted, right? Like when I was in my early twenties, I cared mainly about partying and all that kind of stuff. And then I felt like as soon as I got into my mid twenties, I'm like, I don't really know if this is kind of the lifestyle I want anymore. Um, and then, you know, things were going well for me in the, with the real estate stuff. And it just, you know, I realized that really was my true passion and you know, here we are five years later. Yeah, that's badass. So, okay, cool. So your passion really 
was music to begin with. You moved to Toronto, you start DJing, and then you're like, I'm just going to get this job. It seems like everybody that's got a real estate license is successful. How many, how many realtors are there in Toronto right now? Oh, like close to 50,000. I'm sure some probably <laughs> dropped off because of the, the COVID yeah, stuff and yeah. they probably didn't want to renew, but uh, yeah, around 50, 50K or so. so. Pre-COVID, there's about 50,000 of you guys. And uh, so you, you work actually at a really interesting sort of like technological forward brokerage. So why don't you yeah. fill us in? Like, how did you get to Zoo Casa? What is Zoo Casa? Why'd you choose that? Yeah, so um, just for people that don't know about Zoo, we're basically a tech company kind of first and then a real estate brokerage second. Uh, it originally started as sort of a small team, like similar to your wholesale team. I mean, how many, how many guys do you guys have right now, Adam? We have five right now. Yeah. So we started with, I was the fifth agent there. Um, so we started as a small team under Keller Williams. I know Keller Williams isn't as popular in London, but in other cities, it tends to be one of the more sort of prominent brokerages. Um, so originally I wasn't actually working with Zucasa when I first got my license, I was working with another brokerage. I'm not even going to pitch them. So I'm not going to say what their name is because I don't have a great experience <laughs> with them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't work with them. Um, at the beginning, but uh, Keller Williams, I feel like they do a really, really, really good job of following up with their past, uh, you know, with their past agents. Like every brokerage's business is to onboard more agents and then the agent's job is to sell more houses, right? So they did a great job of staying in contact with me. And I remember he had added me on Facebook, the sort of recruiting manager or whatever. And I saw him post something saying, uh, real estate brokerage, looking to onboard buyers agents, but you already have to make a hundred K a year. And I remember just being like, fuck, there's no chance I'm ever <laughs> going to be able to get this job. Um, but I just, I, I just took a swing at it. I went for an at bat. I convinced him to at least give me a meeting. I just said, Hey, look, I want to come in and talk to you, uh, you know, a little bit more about potentially coming to KW, uh, but more specifically about this potential role. Can I just come in and speak to you about it? Um, so I talked to him and he was like, look, you're not even like anywhere close to where you need to be to qualify to kind of be on this team or for me to even give you an introduction to Lauren, who is now the CEO, she's the CEO of Zucasa, but she's also kind of like my direct boss. And I basically told him, I'm like, look, Jamie, um, I'm not going to like make you look like a fool. I promise you. Um, I'm going to go in with the expectation. I'm probably not going to get the job, but like, give me an at bat, like just get me the appointment. I will not embarrass you. I will do everything in my possible power to be able to get this job. All I need from you is just please help give me the opportunity. So finally he was like, Fuck, okay, all right, I'll give it to you. No problem. So I remember going to meet Lauren and like preparing and preparing and preparing and just basically going in there with everything planned out, all of my goals, all the things that I wanted to do, how I felt that I could help her best. I, I understood that I was probably underqualified for the position, but at the end of the day, if she would just take a shot on me, I'll guarantee her that I'm going to be her top agent. And so, I mean, I guess my sales pitch worked because she ended up taking me on and uh, I also held up my end of the bargain because now I'm the top agent. So I, uh, you know, I think we both, we both took a little bit of a risk on each other. And, uh, you know, to this date, she's uh, a mentor of mine. You know, I like to call her a friend of mine. She is kind of my direct boss. So I think it's kind of a weird line, but uh, she's helped me tremendously. She took a shot on me and uh, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty loyal to her. That's awesome. I love that story where it's like, hey, just take the shot. You know what? Like you didn't meet the criteria. You didn't have the experience required. You didn't have what they were looking for. And you legit just said, I'm going for it. 
And uh, that's quite a bit like my story when I found my mentor, Matt McKeever. Like, I legit showed up with uh, my best friend. And we were just like, hey, man, like after meeting him one time, went home, watched about 300 of his YouTube videos overnight, and then just came back. We demanded a meeting, uh, drove back to London from Guelph. Uh, I think it was the next day or really close to it. And we just demanded a meeting with him and created a job. Like we legit just, we were like, we work for you now, dude. Like you don't have to pay us. You don't have to do anything. All we're after is some mentorship. I just want to get closer to where you're at. And if anything I can do to do that is going to be worth it for me. So um, it's kind of funny. We were actually reviewing this timeline about uh, when I started and how Matt got to where he's at. And we were looking at it as a wholesaling team the other day, just as a reminder of how far we've come as a team. Like when we started real estate wholesaling, almost nobody was doing it in Ontario. And certainly nobody that we knew was doing it well with the solid process. And Matt had just started investing in real estate uh, maybe seven or eight years ago at the time. And he, you know, he had made some really good acquisitions and he hit big roadblocks that I didn't have to face. And I think that's another part of what you said that was really interesting where like Lauren is now your mentor and your friend, uh, but someone that you're going to work closely with uh, for business and professional development, which is fantastic. Like how important do you think it is to have that mentor there? Because when Matt and I reflect on it, he said yesterday, and I, I really do believe this too, that I was able to achieve about 15 years of his real estate and professional experience within the three years that I had uh, him over me as my direct mentor. So how important do you think that is for success and getting started? Like, do you think, had you stayed at that first brokerage, am I talking to Emma today on mic'd up millionaires, you know? Uh, honestly, man, I think having a mentor is absolutely crucial. I think here's, here's my kind of thoughts. Cause I, I, I do think about this often. I think where, like where my path took me. And then if I went in a different route, where would I be? I think, you know, there's people like you and I that are hustlers. And I think if I didn't take the path that I, that I took, I don't know, maybe I'd be ahead. Maybe I'd be behind. I'm confident that I'd be performing at some sort of similar level because if it wasn't for Lauren, maybe she didn't take the shot on me. I was motivated enough to be like, I like, I'm going to figure it out. Like I don't, I don't get what anybody has to say. Like I'm going to figure this shit out. Like I have no other option. I don't have any money. Um, I gave up my other job. Like, I don't know. I'm not planning on going back to live with my parents. Like, uh, you know, I was, I was with Victoria, dating Victoria at the time. I was like, I don't want her to think that like, I'm a loser or something. Like, I'm just going to figure this shit out one way or the other. But going back to your point about mentorship, I think, um, like mentorship is crucial in terms of, you know, shortening that window, right? Like you could have spent the 15 years to, you know, acquire that knowledge. And some people want to go that route. They don't want the mentorship. I'm the type of person where I'm like, straight up, I would rather just pay the money up front to shorten the window and just get there. You know what I mean? Like, that's just my type of, and, and paying, paying money or paying time. Like maybe you don't have money. Um, but I, I believe that mentorship is crucial in that regard, but I also think mentorship for people kind of like of our similar personality, isn't just crucial, um, to like up your income level or anything like that. It's like, I wanted to like be at Lauren's level. You know what I mean? Like I was just, I wanted to be competitive with her because I'm like, 
like she's a special person. Like she's special in the way that she does business and I have a lot to learn from her. But I also think like I'm special in the way that I do business and I, you know, maybe I won't get to your level, but like I can definitely get a little bit closer than I am right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know what I'd love to uncover on this call if we can dive a little deeper into that too is like, what's the drive there? Like, why do you keep going? So I, I happen to know a few of your stats over the last few years. I don't know if you're going to share that on that podcast and you certainly don't I don't think I'm going to share the specifics, but uh, we hey, can talk about cool. the progression. That's cool. You don't need to share the stats, but let me assure you people, this lady is a fucking high performer, okay? These stats are unbelievable. So I, I got to know though, you know, what keeps you pushing past enough? Because like, I know you've got enough. You had enough, you know, in the first month of the year. <laughs> so what keeps you going now in June? The weather's nice. You know, there's all sorts of excuses to not be doing work, to relax, to get comfortable, to be complacent. You know, you probably have most of the things I imagine you want in life at this point, uh, you know, barring like big, big dream goal stuff and like, why not stuff. But like, yeah. I'm sure you have your security met. Like if we're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you've got your bases covered. So why bother? Why do you get up? Man, honestly, like as much as, uh, first of all, one, I appreciate, I don't know if we're on the pump and tires podcast, but I feel pretty good about that. So thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the subtitle but, uh, of, the, of the episode. But legit, if anybody's listening and doesn't know Emma, I am serious about this. She will never be the one to tell you. I'm here to tell you first. She's a goddamn killer, an absolute weapon. No, and if I you're buying real estate in Toronto, you're buying it through Emma. That is the facts. That is the only thing that you can do. Uh, but anyways, awesome. tell me, no, why do you get that. out of bed? Tires are pumped. Yeah, there you go. Um, honestly, man, I know it's kind of weird because we always go back to this thing as what's the what's the why? What's your reason? And I think yep. mine sort of fluctuates, right? Sometimes it's a short sprint where it's like, you know, you and Mina, you had talked about the Rolex. It's like, yeah. okay, sometimes there's materialistic things where you're like, I just want a gun for this shit. And then once I get it, it's not even about getting it like i'm sure your yeah. absolute happiest moment of having that watch was literally just the moment you gave the guy the money you know what yeah I mean? literally <laughs> take my money <laughs> like, okay i'm gonna give you all the money and like i'm happy like yeah. i'm at the epitome of happiness and then from there it's like you know you look at it and you reflect on it and you say okay like i worked hard for this but there's no moment of you ever owning that watch maybe it's like you give it to your kid or something like that that would be like a different special yeah. moment but like there will never be another moment that will make you as happy as giving the guy the money for the watch. Like that's the best part about the whole thing. Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, I think there's sometimes I'm driven by those types of things. And then I just think for me, it's as much as we can say, Oh, your needs are met and stuff like that. I, I will never have financial security. I've realized that in my head, like there's yeah. never something where I'm going to be like, I'm good. Like I always feel like I have $0 in the bank. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably a benefit to feel like that because a lot of people get some money and then they're just like, I'm just ready to chill. It's like, okay, if I have a really, really, really good month, maybe I'll be like, let's go out for dinner. I'm going to take like three or four days off. But then I'm like, fuck, I don't have any more deals right now because yeah. I just finished all my deals. Like I'm unemployed. I got to go figure out more business. So in my mind, I'm actually like, you know, you talk about motivators and fear happens to be one of the biggest motivators for me, it's like, I don't ever want to have to feel financial insecurity in my life. Like yeah. you and I both kind of grew up in the, you know, with blue collar parents, like we didn't come from money or anything like that. And yeah. you know, 
not that my parents, like, it's not that we were, like, poor or anything like that growing up, but it would be, like, hey, like, we can't get these steaks or whatever because it's, like, they're too expensive. And it's, like, I just, I don't ever want that. And I think one of the key things for me is um, both of, like, my great-grandmothers are in, uh, like, retirement homes, right? That shit's not cheap. But what I've realized is that, like, there's no amount of money that I ever want to come between me and my family. Like I have such yeah. a good relationship. I have one brother uh, and his wife who has lived with us since we were teenagers, which I would consider my sister, even though she's my sister-in-law, my parents and Victoria, my wife. And it's kind of like, I never want there to ever be a situation in my life where money could hinder those relationships because I've yeah. seen it with other people. And so if it means that, well, I'm able and capable of performing at my highest level possible to avoid that shit in the future, like I would rather just work really, really, really fucking hard now so that I never have to have conversations about money with my family in the future. Like if they just need some shit, like they're good. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And I I've seen all the interpersonal relationship stuff and what can happen when money's on the short side. It fucking sucks because it can ruin the best people, right? And it's one of those things where, like, legit money can probably solve almost any problem. Like, enough money, enough money can solve most of your problems. Like, legit. Like, healthcare stuff, dental stuff, um, transportation and job stuff. Like, almost everything. Uh, If you have kids, like ensuring that they're going to the right schools and getting the right level of uh, health and nutrition, right? That kind of stuff. Yeah, like if if your relationships are hindered, like, you know, oh, I can't, I can't, I don't have the time to go like take care of this person if they're elderly or whatever. It's like, okay, I need to ensure that they're getting the best care possible. Uh, Yeah. Also need to protect my, or it's like with kids, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to leave my kids with some shitty babysitter because I want to save a couple bucks. I want to have enough money to be able to make sure my kids are taken care of and then like go on dates with my spouse so that our relationship is good. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. I I don't want to, I think that that kind of shit is a big enough motivator for me that's just like, I just don't ever really want to be in a position where that is even a sticking point. I would rather just say i'll just take care of it and everyone should just be happy yeah and, and you know what to be honest I, I don't know if many people fully appreciate the cost and what actually needs to go into this i was just speaking to somebody the other day who works in the hospitality industry um at like a really nice place in collingwood and this place is going i, I believe it's starting sort of at eight thousand a month Okay, for long term uh, care, you know, that if that's including food and everything else and, and, you know, like literally the best service. It's not cheap, uh, though. It's like eight to 10K. But when I think about the average person, like, dude, how are you supporting 10K a month? And, you know, especially that term in your life. So if that's you and you're lonely and old, you know, and like legit, it's you, then like you better have saved your pennies. And if that's you supporting your family member, you, you know, you've got to be prepared for that kind of expense because it's serious. And then if you don't plan on having kids, you've got to know that you're supporting them now and then potentially yourself later. And like yeah. that takes a serious amount of assets and resources and income. So I don't think people really appreciate it. And then I'm talking to uh, a friend of mine who recently uh, got divorced and they, they got to split the kids up and whatever. And he's looking at paying $50 a day for daycare. That's serious too. That's like yeah. my whole, you know, like that's a lot. That's a big budget for any normal, any person on a normal salary. And I kind of got into this uh, on a recent talk.
that I was giving on uh, getting your financial foundation put together, right? Like looking at your own personal net worth statement, doing, doing your balance sheet and, and viewing yourself as a business because it's really hard for most people to double their income, right? Like most people, if you're, if you're listening to this right now and you're on a salary, imagine walking into HR's office right now or, or to your management office and saying, hey, look, I've been doing really good. I'm uh, looking to finance property. I'm looking to buy a new vehicle. I'm looking to have this health expense covered uh, shortly. Uh, I'm looking to put my kid in this school and I need a raise, but I don't need any raise. I need to double my money. <laughs> you know, you're going to get, yeah. you're going to get laughed out of the office, right? It's really hard to do where uh, people like ourselves that have put in the time, put in the hustle to create opportunities where we can have other people working for us, other people's money working for us, other people's talent working for us, um, as well as just directly being able to trade performance for money rather than time for money. We're at such an advantage because the idea of coming up with an additional 10K a month is formulaic for us. You know, mm -hmm. it's like if I want another 10K, and I think this is a great transition into letting people know what it really takes. Because we've talked before about your call volume, right? Mm -hmm. So when you say like you're motivated by family and everything else and you got your bases covered, but you're not feeling that financial security, I mm -hmm. know that you still have that burn to do those action items every day. Because you can let your mind slip away from your family for a day or two. You can let your mm -hmm. mind slip away from those core whys uh, in the short term. But these measurable action items, uh, like your call volume, if you want to share your call volume, I think it's wicked. Because somebody at the top, it, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's beautiful that you continue to put that level of work in because that's how you know you're doing the right work, right? So tell us yeah. about your, your daily activities or, or your weekly activities. Yeah, for sure. So I always try and work backwards from like, what are the, you know, what are my indicators of what's actually going to drive my income, right? Like at the end of the day, in most businesses, like, and I think just as humans, I've done this so many times over the past five years too. We're just like looking for random shit to like fill time. And at the end of the day, what it all boils down to pretty much for every business is like maybe two or three things. Like they're the fucking worst things ever too. Like they're absolutely the worst things that you don't want to do in business. But if you just did only those items, you would make a ridiculous amount of money. So I just sort of in my head have said like, I know I don't want to do these things. Nobody wants to do them, which is why the people who make the most money only do these items. So yeah. my, you know, my particular things are I need to have um, in-person meetings, ideally with four people per week. Okay. Cause I know if I, meet with four people per week, the likelihood of me converting that person to a client is uh, like 80% or more if they decide to purchase a property. It might not be now, but probably at some point in time, if I meet them in person, the likelihood of me working with them as a client is like astronomically higher. Yeah. So my goal this year was to do at least one deal a week. So I figured, okay, if I can meet with four people, very likely I'll be able to get one of those people who are qualified to be able to buy a home in kind of the next three to six months immediate future type of thing. Um, two of those people, maybe they just flake out and there's no chance that they buy something. That's cool too, because if I just do four meetings a week and I only get one of the four, I'm good. I'll hit my goals. Yep. But I, I know that because of the pre-qualification I do on the phone, any one of those four people should at least be qualified to buy a house at some point in time, probably in the next 24 months. 
So if I can convert one of those people right away, I'm pretty confident that at least the second person will buy in the next six to 12 months. So I'm setting my, my business up for the future. But in order to set those meetings, it takes a ridiculous amount of calls. So, I mean, I do have a guy who works for me. He helps me with my showings and stuff like that. I'm trying to train him on the phone, but at the end of the day, there's just certain parts of your business that you can't outsource because it's not you. And I happen to think that making phone calls and those in-person face-to-face onboarding meetings are things that I just can't outsource. Like I can train you, but at the end of the day, there's just something about the way that you as an individual connect with people. So you need to understand what those key items are that you absolutely have to do. You can't outsource. So, you know, my key metric with with us is if you have as soon as those appointments are set for the four weeks we can not take our foot completely off the gas but we can lighten up a little bit because we've already hit our metric but you know trying to do 100 calls a day like it's not out of the question i try to make at least 10 to 15 maybe 20 proper connections and then i'll i'll base my day on if every single person that I talk to is a pre-qualified buyer and they have the capacity to meet and they want to buy in the next 12 months. And I've talked to 10 of those people today. I will give myself permission to take it a little bit easy for the rest of the day because I've got everything accomplished that I wanted to. And I might not have that success tomorrow. Maybe I got to talk to 30, 40, 50 people tomorrow. And only one of those people can actually buy. Right. So I think that's something with organizing my time too. It's like, it's not just about making yourself busy. It's about understanding what the true metrics are. And when you hit them, give yourself permission to take a little bit of time here and there because you're going to need it. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I structure my day. I love that because when you start thinking about it on a daily level and controlling your calendar and truly like embracing you know, okay, I'm going to do a hundred calls and that might only result in four, four meetings. And of those meetings, if I only secure one of those persons as a qualified buyer or qualified customer, that's going to do business with me, all of a sudden, like, that's unbelievable. You're working for literally the 1%. Um, but it's crazy how I imagine you would see compounding results over time, because if you continue to do those hundred calls, if you continue to take massive action on the daily, I'm assuming that you can reasonably predict that your future is going to look a lot better than had you not. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. And I mean, I, I don't think I'm the only person that this happens to. I imagine it happens to you too, but yeah. Um, let's say you're just hitting a dry spell. You make 20 calls in a day. You can't get fucking anyone on the phone. They tell you to screw yourself, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, one call comes around and you get an absolute beauty on the phone. They're happy to hear from you. They want to talk to you, whatever it is. Isn't the rest of your day just an absolute, like, it's just a blessing to call the rest of the people. It's like, all of a sudden, I don't know what it is. I'm not all about this, like, woo-saw energy shit. But there's something about it where it's like, I don't know. I got a little bit of oomph behind me. And now all of a sudden, I'm having more success because the way like my mentality and the way that I'm going about thinking about making calls is more positive than me being like, fuck, I just struck out 20 times and I'm going into the call with a negative energy. And then that's just what happens. Absolutely. Sun Tzu, uh, the art of war, he says opportunities multiply as they are seized. It's one of those really interesting things that happen. So, you know, you get, you get on that high positivity call and you get that high energy, somebody that's really excited to talk to you. Like I know after this podcast, I'm going to have a fucking awesome rest of my day, right? Just because like this type of call, this type of conversation, this high, high energy and positive conversation, it just sets you off right. Like it's really hard to have a bad day after this. 
And it's totally. the same way with sales. And like you eat, you even get that extra boost of like straight up, just like endorphins when you're getting that adrenaline, right? You're getting that close, you're getting to that next step. And one yeah, of the and things you're that more I've willing like, to like just help people too, right? Like 100%. you're willing to do something great for somebody else when they've just provided you that same feeling. It's like the next 10 people you talk to, your service level is going to be tremendously higher than the first 10 people you talk to. A hundred percent. I will, I completely agree with that for sure. One of the things I like to do is reframe in my mind where the win is. Uh, and that's something that really helps me. So like, does the win only happen when I collect the check? Well, financially, of course, but mm. if I want to ever get there, I need to really train my brain and start building the habits and behaviors that give myself that positive feedback as soon as I get a micro win, right? So like, as soon as I get that commitment to take the meeting, yeah. yes, a win, boom, I want that endorphin rush. I want that feeling of pleasure, right? I want to get happy and excited about, boom, I got a meeting booked, right? I set an appointment. That's fantastic. And then from that booking or that appointment set, I need to get excited again once I go and meet them about the potential of what we can do together as business um, partners or people engaging in a business transaction. And then as soon as yeah. I'm talking about the contract and the money that can be exchanged and everything else, I'm getting excited again. So I love, I love those little wins and not really, you know, you can't, cause it's really easy to get into these bad spaces or these bad spots. And I've had a lot of coaching calls recently from people uh, that are like in bit of a, a dry spell right now, or they're in that slump or they're in that, uh, that ditch. So what, what do you do to combat that? Like, what do you do when you're, you're, you're stacking losses up? You know, it's day three, you haven't got your appointments, you, yeah. uh, you know, you're working hard. What do you do? Man, this is something that I feel like I've struggled with so much, especially in my first three years of real estate. Like this yeah. shit would get me down. Like I'd be so anxious and depressed and like, I'd feel like, oh my God, I'm never going to get another deal. I, I somehow I, I forgot how to do my job in the last three days. Like it would just eat away. <laughs> yeah. Right. So one thing that I feel like, um, has really helped me. So we actually had this onboarding thing through Zacasa called Workman. And it's kind of like, uh, they do a lot of uh, real estate training, like in the States and stuff like that. But what they actually, what they actually did, and I thought it was like incredibly smart. They made, um, sort of like a score sheet for certain items that you're going to do throughout your day. And they're weighted based on, um, how likely they are to move your, your business forward. So there's six, nice. you have to tally 61 units a day. A phone call will be a unit. If you get a buyer consultation, that's 10, right? So I think at the end of the day, as long as you can look at that sheet of paper and say, hey, look, I hit all the units that I need to do. I may have not, um, I may have not had the easy ones, the buyer consultations, or, you know, I didn't get a deal done today or whatever, but I hit my 61 target units. Like I'm good to take the rest of the day off. Cause I know if I just keep doing this, I'll get business. Like there, they, it isn't a question. Like yeah. it's systematically proven, which is why they do such a tremendous amount of training. If you just keep putting in the work, like results will happen. It's like, it, it's not a question of it. The people who put in the most work and work the hardest get the best results. Legit. So you know, uh, there's this guy, I don't know if you know him. He's actually from Toronto, uh, but he does a lot of training. Craig Ballantyne. Have you ever heard yeah. of him before? Yeah, yeah. He's a badass for sure. So he has this one saying that I love and it's action beats anxiety. That's just always yeah. what it is. Right. And so as soon as yeah. I heard him say that, I'm like, 
kind of weird, but also fully believe it. Like it's just kind of a weird saying, but it full, I fully believe it. The more action you take, the less anxious you will be because you will guarantee get, get results. If you make five calls, you're not going to get nearly as many results as if you make 500 calls. So I love that. just put in the work. And as soon as you start getting something, your trajectory just goes back up. Dude, that is such a huge tool. I never, uh, I never even really thought of that. We, in our business, we really focus on one measure. It's our key lead measure and it, it is offers made. But I really love there when you have some sort of weighted system um, that tallies up to a certain score. And then, like you said there, that was kind of interesting. You were saying, if you don't get the easy ones, you know, like the buyer consultation where it's weighted heavy, obviously. Um, yeah. And so you only need a few of those to like get up to your, your top score. Your daily to, total, yeah. To get to your total. But putting in those reps on all the lower scored things are almost certainly going to contribute to the success of getting those higher value items. So I think that's badass for anybody that's listening to this, that's trying to put in work uh, from a business perspective and obviously yeah, tailor, if, tailor this to your business, right? Yeah. I mean, find your, you know, 10 things that you need to do every day. Maybe it's, you know, any business, I don't give a fuck what business you're in. You can yeah. be selling, you know, I mean, Mino was selling flags on the street. Yeah, Contact. flags and like water any, bottles, dude. There you go. So any <laughs> any business that you're in, it doesn't matter what it is. You need to have contact with people who are potentially prospects, right? So unfortunately, not every contact that you make is going to be as equally weighted. So maybe if I have a conversation with someone who has already been pre-approved, I might mark that as a three because yep. that is a, that's closer to my target. But if I have three or four conversations with people who are thinking about real estate that aren't pre-approved, doesn't mean that that time is wasted. I'm yeah. practicing my scripting. I'm practicing asking questions, pushing through objections, all that kind of stuff. Like that's all very, very helpful shit. And like, you need to have it. You're never going to be better at converting those people. If you don't have those shitty, you know, we, we don't think they move the needle. Those are the things that pretty much move the needle the most in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's absolutely wicked, man. I, I love this approach, to be honest. I think it's fantastic. Like, it, it's it's just so much easier to break things down into pieces and chunks, right? And, like, kill, bite that elephant piece by piece uh, rather than try and, like, take it down, right? Like, you, you need to actually, like, parse it out, assign some values, really do some soul searching, and maybe you find yeah. out that you didn't even know you know, what the top 10 important things were of your business. Like maybe you were this whole time focusing on the bottom line and forgetting how you got there, right? Or forgetting the lead measures. There's lead measures and leg measures. Leg measures are the results, right? That's the stuff that happened after you did all the work. All the lead measures though are things that you can that you can manipulate, right? These are mm -hmm. levers you can pull on. Okay, if These I don't have enough control. leads. Exactly. So we, for, we focus on offers. And the reason we do that is because we believe that if you don't make an offer, you can't have a deal. So what do we do? Let's focus on the thing that we can control. Let's focus on making more of those things happen. And I think that is a really cool way to do. Um, another thing that I was just thinking about while we were talking is one of the, another method, one method that I like to do when I'm not feeling so good, like if I'm having a couple down days and I'm not feeling it, what people tend to do is they tend to slide into this like, self-deprecating and self-sabotage like train of thought where like your personal hygiene and grooming go down right mm. um you're not like 
you're not getting up. You're not getting dressed up. You're not going out and socializing. You're afraid to pick up the phone. You're not even making the dials. Like if you get that far, I think a really interesting hack to this is to literally go to the closet, right? Well, ha have a shower, right? Do the shave, do whatever it is that's part of your like best routine. Do your best routine, go to your closet and get dressed up. Doesn't matter if you got nowhere to go. I put on one of my power suits, right? I put on that Navy suit or uh, my shark skin or the gray one or my tux. Dude, yeah. that fucking tux is an invincibility You're like a superhuman. Dude, I'm invincible. It like nothing can stop me in the tux. So what is preventing you from doing that routine, right? Do the best routine you can. Well, first of all, I mean, eat right and sleep right. That's like the starting blocks. But then, then do your best routine. Put on some of the, some of your like power clothing. No, it doesn't need to be a suit. Maybe for somebody that's like, you know, the black hoodie, the black pants, the black shoes and some shades, whatever that looks like for you, get that invincibility cloak on um, and change your mask up. And then another thing that I do like to do when it comes to making calls or setting up appointments or whatever is viewing it like a mask or like some kind of uh, armor that you're putting on. It's calling armor, right? I'm going to put it on. I'm going to transform. Adam can have his own problems, but Adam J.D. Martin is the guy showing up on the call, right? It's almost yeah. like a, an alter ego that has to show up. I did not have this level of energy before I started this call, okay? I was actually just making breakfast. Uh, I just finished my intermittent fast. Like I broke the fast. I was just making breakfast. I had a busy morning, lots of contracts, lots of paperwork. I was feeling pretty low energy, but I knew I couldn't break this commitment to myself and to you and to everybody listening. Hopefully some people found their way to the podcast at this point, oh, they will. Um, they will. but legit, like I, I have to turn on Adam J.D. Martin. That's a different person than Adam sitting at the table. So once you turn it on and you just convince yourself that that's a separation of self, you, you can just separate yourself and, and really like um, put this in a bucket and just compartmentalize your other Adam. Um, yeah. You can really just jump into it. And then once you get that success, you get that reciprocating high energy. I can see Emma smiling right now. I can see she's happy. I can see she's high energy. Holy shit. Now I'm on to like this positive reinforcement cycle that makes me want to just keep being excited. And then I get more into it and then you get more into it. And then all of a sudden we got new rollies. You know, you it's know, not exactly. It's fucking crazy. Exactly, man. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with your whole thing. I mean, like I, I think people kind of um, – you know, especially with all this like COVID stuff that's going on and people working from home and stuff, yeah. it's so easy just to roll out of bed and go to your desk. But, yeah. I, you know, every day I'm like, okay, I got to put on like some jeans or some shit. I don't have to be in a suit, but <laughs> yeah. like, let me just like get my day started, right? Yeah. Like as soon as your day gets started, you're in a little bit of a different mentality. Um, and then it's just, you know, one of my biggest things that I do, I'll tell you this though. And I, I don't think everyone is as competitive as me. I've always been a very competitive person. Like, I'll just find out who the fuck did a deal this week. That, and I did. Yeah. And I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, this person did a deal? And yeah, I did right? Like, fuck that. Like, I got to hit the ground running. Like, business is happening. And I'm not, like, I'm not getting my fair share right now. Like, I don't know. I, the world is rolling. And I'm, like, not a part of it. That is not okay with me. Yeah. So, if you're a competitive person, pick up the phone and find out what your competitor is doing. That, yeah. to me, is the most motivating thing. Like, if somebody else is doing business and I'm not doing business, I'm not okay with that. Yo, that, that legit was part of my talk with my guys this morning. There's a few people that are in our industry that I don't even respect. 
you know, I'd like to respect them for the results they're putting up. But I can't even get there. And I'm like, yeah. these motherfuckers are putting up bigger numbers in a shorter period of time than our team. And I cannot stand for it. It literally makes me sick to my stomach. I want to go home and just jump off a fucking roof. And there I'm like, this is just impossible. So I, I definitely resonate with that. Like 100% keep tabs like, on the When people who aren't performing at your level outperform you for like, even, it's even a minute in day i'm yeah. like what the fuck is going on here you know, I know what i mean right? like it's i, I do not sit well with me and that's just me being competitive because like i just don't like it i don't ever want to be pushed out of the spot that i'm in because i worked hard to get here but i'm like that is my biggest motivator to like get off my ass because i'm like look if, if these you know these either newer agents or younger kids or whatever they are like Mm-mm, that doesn't sit well with me. I gotta make Mm-mm. ten times as many. Yeah, I gotta make ten times as many calls as these kids. You know what I mean? Dude, I love that. I love that so much, man. All right. Well, yeah. I think this has been amazing. You know, it, it always I, like I absolutely love that this is what this podcast is going to turn into. Is me just talking to people that are motivating as hell and just driven, like just out of sheer competition. Because like this totally. is the same thing that <laughs> Mina and I were talking about. Like. You know, what's the point? There, there probably isn't really a point, you know, beyond like making sure your family's good, but that's a given. Like we'll do that no matter what. But yeah. like, I, I think it's awesome though that, you know, just to be surrounded and know of these people that are out there, right? And I've gotten, you know, this is crazy. I've gotten about um, two dozen messages since that last episode from people talking about how they've been being held back by their social circles being held back by the conversations they feel like they're allowed to have. Um, I'm here right now uh, for anybody listening to say like, let that freak flag fly. Okay. If, if you're out there and you're like, I just want to be a badass and make a ton of money and not feel guilty about it. Guess what? There's a whole community of us. All you need to do though, is let us know, reach out, say something, subscribe to the mic'd up millionaire podcast on youtube right by, by going to adam jd martin's youtube channel okay yeah, that alter ego of mine that that crazy high energy me that's here right now that is the guy that you can be a freak with right like be insane totally. go crazy do the thing because you can fail at doing much less right Man, I, I fully that. agree with that like all day long because i feel that even in my like you know, I'm not scared to like talk about failures. I think they're probably one of the keyest, most important things. Yeah. I know you and I have made some massive ones recently. Oh, yeah. still, we don't have to go into the details about them, but like your mentality on how you kind of get out of those things, uh, I think says a lot about your character. And I think, you know, um, taking ownership for those types of things speaks a lot to, you know, our, our maturity level, even now more like even in comparison to three, four years ago, yeah. like we're just more mature in that regard. But I think one of the things that I've struggled with, especially with all this COVID lockdown stuff is um, not surrounding, like, no, I'm not going to say not surrounding myself with the right people. I think, you know, we always talk about um, you are who you spend kind of, you know, the, the most time with the, the top five people or whatever this, whatever the saying is. Yeah. I believe that to be very true, but I also believe that you kind of need different circles, right? Like, like I've yeah. got you guys as my business guys and I feel like I've not dropped the ball, but like, I haven't been able to like see you as much. And yeah. 
yes, I've been performing at a high level, but if I could see you more like we are on this podcast or we had like some sort of like mastermind going on behind the scenes, we would be performing like at an even higher level. But I feel like the people that I've really been um, speaking to most often are like my like emotional people who are like my best friends from like my childhood or my family and stuff like that. And it's like, you need to, you know, you, you really need to put time into them. I'm not saying like cut those people out in any regard, but you need to be very cognizant when you're trying who you're talking to about these types of things, because me talking to my best friends in London about my financial goals and shit like that, they're like, you're an arrogant asshole basically. Or like, I could never do that. And then you think like, Oh, am I, am I wrong for wanting to do this? And I talk to you guys, you guys are like, you're being a little bitch. You should work harder. And I'm like, that's what I need. You know what I mean? That that actually is what we say. (laughs) Totally. totally. So I think, I think people need to understand that like, you know, don't, you don't have, sometimes people say, Oh, cut those people out. Like, I don't think you need to cut those people out. I think you just need to be very cognizant of what circle each person is in and what conversations you're having with each person. Like, like I wouldn't have the same conversation with you as I would have with like, Harrison or something like that because he's been my best friend since we were like kids but I would never have a financial conversation with him like I could have with you to pump me up to be better in that area of my life so I just think you know people are getting really um it's just difficult with with this COVID lockdown and it's like you just need to be you need to double down on who you're speaking to what or who you're speaking to um in regards to what topics yeah absolutely I love that and uh, I really resonate with that, too, because I have had to change my social circles quite a bit. Um, one thing that I've found, if there are people that are afraid to right now, if you're afraid to start limiting those relationships more, you know, again, like Emma said, you don't have to cut them off, but maybe you're having different conversations or maybe you're just having less frequent conversations. Sure, uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair, too. <laughs> that's kind of what I do. Um, but one thing that I've realized is, like, almost nothing changes in most of their lives, right? The people that... I, you hold on to for emotional um, or uh, sentimental purposes. Like yeah. for the most part, like if they're just going for like the average sort of American dream life where like they get the job, they get the house, the car, the kids and whatever, like not much changes in their reality. So it's not that hard to stay in touch, you know, every couple months or whatever. It doesn't need to be daily. Uh, where I have found with a lot of my business friends and a lot of my professional friends and the people that you're going to see on this podcast, like if I don't talk to you for two weeks, I'm almost like, it's like reinventing our relationship next time I see you. Cause you're like onto some crazy thing or you've doubled <laughs> down in some way. It's like, it's just so badass. And like to think of where Emma and I have come in the last three years, like from meeting you to where yeah. we're at today, like I barely know that guy. Right. Yeah. And like, we're, we're, I think completely different people than we were then. And I, I mean, in the sense we have, um, the same drive and yeah. I think we, and we all have goals, but I think that we've just realized that like who we were three years ago. I mean, I think we were setting the bar pretty low. Yeah. Legit. And, and the crazy thing is, is no matter what, every time I look back, I'm like, Oh, he was thinking too small. And it's every time though. So it's like, God damn, like how small am I thinking now versus in the next year? What about- No, I know. I was thinking about this before we hopped on this podcast because I'm thinking about, you know, um, your conversation with Mina, again, going back to the the watches and I'm thinking, you know, you and I have many, many conversations about, 
you know, certain models or whatever you want. And it's just like, I'm looking forward to the day that we look back on this and we're like, I can't believe that was like my grail watch at the time. I can't believe that's what I wanted. Like that was such a, that was so nominal in the grand scheme of where our lives have gone. That it's just like, it's, it's cool to surround yourself with people that have those goals. Cause like, I think, you know, you and I both have a very strong belief that there really is not much that we can't accomplish in life. Like I saw Matt, I haven't watched his video, but I saw him post some video about him wanting to get a private jet. Like, I think some people wouldn't see that and be like, this guy's fucking delusional beyond belief. I saw it. I'm like, he's probably going to have that in like a year and a half. Like that's exactly what I thought. You know what I mean? But the, the interesting thing, though, is when you look back on the history of him setting that goal, he, he said he wants private jet wealth, right? And, and he wants a jet, too. But when he started talking about that, this is kind of interesting. I'm not sure how much he talks about it. But when Matt started talking about wanting private jet wealth, this was like years ago, right? He started talking about this years ago with his friends at a party, and he said it as a joke. But like just to like make light of the situation so that he could hide the truth in the joke. And I think that a lot of us do this type of behavior. And I think you just need to know that like, if you have a really crazy goal and you actually have the drive, you know, the, the willingness and ability to put in the hundred reps a day, right. The hundred calls a day to actually get to those appointments to actually then follow through and do the right customer service and follow up and building your business. Like, if you're actually putting in the work, you can have it. And what I'm trying to do here with totally. Mic'd Up Millionaires is number one, selfishly learn from every one of my guests. Uh, but number two, provide that information back to you. These are conversations I already wanted to have, but now I get to share it with the world and hopefully give them a platform to connect. But just know that this is the type of space and the people that I have on here are the kind of people you can say to, I want a private fucking chat, right? And if, if you believe you're in yourself and you actually follow through on it, you can have that. That's not even that hard. Like, I'm pretty sure $100 million would get you a private jet. Like a fucking yeah. nice one. Like a like, really I, nice I'm one. I'm of the mindset where if you came to me, Adam, and you said, hey, man, I want to have a private jet, I'd be like, you told me that, so you better fucking go get it. Now you better do it. <laughs> right like i like don't like don't spew this shit out and then not back it up yeah. whereas i think a lot of people out there and that's why you have to be cognizant of who you're hanging around with a lot of people would be like you know pull your head out of your ass bud yeah like you know well how what's the percentage of people in the world that have private jets and i'm like well you better be part of the one percent that yeah. do because if you don't yeah. i'm gonna be pissed i don't get to ride in it or whatever you know what i mean right Exactly. And I think you do actually need to uh, have accountability built into friendships. That's a whole other topic, right? About like, don't let your friends, especially like the people like us, don't let, don't let us get away with saying shit. You know, three years ago, I said, three years ago, I really committed. I'm going to have a Hulk Rolex Submariner 1166-10LV. I'm getting that thing, baby. That's money. And I stared at it for years. Now, it might have taken three years to get it. But I guarantee I'm going to get it. The same thing said about the moon watch. I've always wanted a moon watch. First goddamn watch on the moon. It's such a badass piece of history and iconic uh, timepiece. Like, I'm going to have one no matter what. And they're cheap. I I went for the the Rolex first so that now when I think about the moon watch, it sounds like a cheap watch. It's so (laughs) much more palatable once you go, like, you should always go to the end because then you're just like, I don't even know if I can justify buying this because I already have the better thing. Right? Exactly. So I've had that thought as well. And, you know, I pretty much wear the Hulk on the daily now, but like, 
you know, thinking about Speedy Tuesday, every, every time I see a Speedy Tuesday post, I'm just pissed. And I'm like, damn it, just go buy one already. Like, get over yourself. Enjoy it. Enjoy right? it. Yeah, 100%, so, but I think that this is, I'm trying to create the space where like people are comfortable saying it and then backing it up, but using each other's help and accountability. So yeah, thank totally. you, Emma, for being here today. Cause I think that you're a huge part of uh, someone that I look up to too. Like when I think, and ever since we had that talk too, uh, with my wholesaling team and you were talking about the level of volume and commitment and you know, you, you basically doubled your business every year uh, that you've been in it almost. And you know, that kind of crazy drive is so inspiring. So I hope that everybody today got to get something out of this talk. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up now, but uh, next episode, guys, I've got Evan Stewart coming on. And if you guys don't know Evan Stewart, he is literally one of the most well-spoken individuals I've ever met. The dude is absolutely brilliant and he's going to tell you all about him. So I'll leave it at that. But until then, Emma, how do these guys get a hold of you? What can they do to help you out, drive more business, right? Drive more success or fulfillment. What are you looking for? Yeah, man. Um, anyone can reach me on Instagram. I try to get back to every single person who messages me. It might not be right away, but it'll be at some point in time for sure. Uh, it's pace of base on Instagram. That's definitely the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, honestly, more podcasts. Anybody else out there wants to have another conversation. And at the end of the day, the most important thing to me, yes, business is great, but the most important thing to me is just expanding my network of other people who are producing at a high level to ensure that we do have accountability and uh, competitive nature with other people who are like-minded. That's, uh, that's really the thing that's going to continue to get me to the next level. I love that, guys. Emma Pace, top Zucas, a realtor from Toronto. If you're looking to do some business in Toronto, get after her. Or if you just want to network with an absolute beauty, she's a watch collector and uh, enthusiast like myself. So uh, maybe have a conversation if you're after some watches. Talk to Emma. Maybe she can uh, share do some of her sure. faves with you. Um, totally. Emma also likes to drink bourbon and uh, Manhattan. So if you want to hit her up, buy her a drink. I'm sure she wouldn't say no. All right, I will always say yes to that. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on here and uh, congrats again on the podcast, man. I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of the episodes and I appreciate you having me on here at the beginning of it. I love that. I, yeah, dude, this is awesome. This is the best time, man. This is when everybody's listening. They're going to come back and they're going to make history with these, Emma. All right. I like to wrap up every talk the same way every single time. It's Adam J.D. Martin. Follow me on Instagram. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. It is just Adam J.D. Martin like it is everywhere else. Come on, guys. There's a pattern here. And uh, that's where I'm going to be posting the video of this. If you're just listening to the audio and you want to check out Emma's sick NASA shirt or that Black Bay Tudor watch she's wearing, go check it out on YouTube. Give me a subscribe. I'm also in a race to the first 500 subscribers with Mike Nowicki and I get myself a brand new suit from my favorite tailor here in London if I win it. So guess what guys, I need your help on this one. All right, that's it. I'm JD Martin and I'm gonna wrap it up with Kitsy Face as always. Bye. <laughs>